0: We turn into Isaiah chapter nine. Everyone in here is allowed to answer this question, other than Jason, because he may know these. Did any of the following names ring a bell? Marius Pudzanowski, Zadruna Savickas, Magnus Ver Magnuson. John Paul, Sigmarson, Brian Shaw, and Bill Kazmaier. Those names ring a bell to you? Did they do you, Jason? No? Since the 1980s, those six guys have 20 world strongest man titles under their belt. And so let me ask you, if you were gonna ever enter a strongman contest, would you ever enter a baby? You're like, well, no, dummy. <laughs> Yet the helpless babe who laid a rest on Mary's lap was sleeping. Ain't any old baby, amen? amen. And he ain't any old strong man either. He's El Gabor, mighty God. Last week we began our four-week quest to answer the age-old question, "What child is this?" And we declared Jesus is wonderful. He's worthy to be praised 24-7, 365. He's counselor. He has all the best plans and ideas, and so we should follow him. And so this morning, we're going to explore that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who took on flesh, fullness of God, and helpless babe, is actually the world's strongest man, for he is mighty God. And I pray that we'll come to better appreciate he's mighty in his eternality, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. So stand with me to honor the reading of God's word, Isaiah chapter 9. Again, we'll read verses 6 and 7, but you'll get plenty more this morning, trust me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of God to the people of God preaching the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father as we come to you this morning to come and to worship you Father we thank you so much for Jesus. Father, without him, each and every one of us would be lost. And so, Father, we thank you that he is wonderful, that he is indeed worthy to be praised. And so, we come today to praise him, not to praise a man that is dead, but a man that is resurrected and alive and sits at the very right hand of you today to intercede for us. And so, we praise him, for he is worthy to be praised. As counselor, he has all the right ideas and strategies, and Father knows how to help us to live our life, and so, help us to follow Him. But Father, He also is mighty God. And so I pray as we look at this aspect today of that child line in the manger that Father, You will help us to come away with a new appreciation of the power of Jesus Christ and Father, that it will be realized and manifest in our own life. I pray Your Holy Spirit upon this place today to bring hearts to You, Father, of anyone today that is here that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today will be the day that angels rejoice because a sinner comes home. It's in Jesus' wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at several aspects. Like I said, first, Jesus, this child, this mighty God, mighty in his eternality. We at the cookhouse are family few beauties. We love family Feud. We are watching it over Thanksgiving, and one of the fast money questions was Name something you find on everyone's driver's license. What would you say? Date of birth. Number one answer was date of birth. Now what if Jesus had a driver's license? Could you imagine the look down at the DMV when he hands in his renewal and it says date of birth, infinity. (laughs) Every man, woman, and child that has ever lived on this planet has a date of birth. And Jesus had a date of birth, right? We don't know it with certainty. We celebrate it December 25th, but some people think that it may have been an action the spring. April, we don't know. 4 B.C., 6 B.C. He had a date of birth, but He had no beginning, amen? Because He has always existed. The mistake of the heresy known as Arianism was to misinterpret John 3.16, the only begotten Son, that He had a beginning. In Colossians 1.18, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And so Arius taught that Jesus, Son of God, was begotten by God the Father at a point in time, and so there was a point at which Jesus did not exist, and thus He was subordinate to the Father. And what if I told you about a heresy? You can't keep a good heresy down, amen? And so modern day Arianism is Jehovah Witness. They do not believe that Jesus is God, and they'll come out with any kind of number of arguments to contend that, but I want us to listen to the record of Scripture. I want us to look at four aspects of this. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And for the Jews, this would bring to mind what? Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. For the Greek, it would bring to mind that impersonal force that was behind the universe. But for both Jew and the Greek, to say the word was someone who was eternal, had no beginning because it had always existed. Turn to Revelation 1. You're going to get, if you brought your Bible, some preacher aerobics. Revelation 1. So the record of Scripture is Jesus is the Word. The second record of Scripture is that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. One eight, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and who was, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. What's the Alpha and the Omega? First and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's like A to Z. He is the Supreme Sovereign Alphabet. How is that? Because He's Eternal. Turn to John chapter 8. So the Word, He's the Alpha and the Omega, and then He's the Great I Am. John 8, 57 and 58. The Jews said to Him, Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, a sufficient response to them would have been this. Before Abraham was, I was. But Jesus makes a more startling assertion. In fact, two things that really don't seem to make sense. He said, Before something happened in the past, Abraham was. Something happened in the present, I am. And it wasn't a riddle. It wasn't nonsense because the Jewish leaders quickly recognized what he was saying because look at verse 59. Did they say, oh, that was just a great sermon and a great statement you made there, Jesus? We just don't agree with it. But, you know, hey, okay. What did they do? They picked up stones to throw at Him. Why? Because they knew exactly what He was doing. Back to Exodus 3.14, He was saying, I am God. I am eternal. I have always existed. And then flip to Matthew 12. So he is the Word, He's the Alpha and Omega, he is the great I Am. One other aspect to give you as far as his eternality, Matthew 12, 38 and 40. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the son of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, here it is, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Eighty-four times in the Gospels we find that phrase, son of man. It's only used by Jesus, and it's only used to speak of himself. And it goes back, if you want to put a notation there, to Daniel 7. We uh, sang of it earlier in a song, the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man. Who is that? He is the eternal world ruler of humanly origin. Jesus later uses this same phrase to refer to himself, which basically sealed his death. In Matthew uh, 26, The high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see, here it is, the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Why? Because he was saying, I'm eternal. No person that has ever been on this planet is so mighty that they are infinite, that they are eternal, other than Jesus Himself. Every other prophet who has been worshipped or believed to have brought divine revelation had a beginning. Muhammad had a beginning. Buddha had a beginning. Joseph Smith had a beginning. But only Jesus is what? The beginning. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring this world to its predicted consummation. You can take it to the bank. All right. Second, what child is this? Mighty God, he's mighty in his birth. Let me ask you, what are some of your favorite Christmas hymns? Thank you. Silent night. Silent night. I think I heard we Three Kings. Oh come, all you faithful. I, I told, I said earlier, all cool people are born in December. That's right. <laughs> I was born in December. Mr. C was born in December. You know what one of my favorite Christmas hymns is? Away in a manger. Listen to this: Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying. He makes. How sweet is that, right? Mm -hmm. Can I tell you something else that He won't do? He won't focus. He won't follow you past midline. He won't hold His head up. He won't babble or laugh. (coughs) He won't smile or roll over or sit up or respond to His name or say a single word for at least six months. And He won't walk for at least ten months. How is it that the creator of the universe is 100% dependent on the creature? The sustainer of the universe is 0% able to sustain his own life. How crazy is that? But be turning to Luke 2. To me, what is more crazy is that a child that seems so helpless, actually, as he's laying there, no crying he makes. Yields unimaginable power. Now I'm going to give you six ways you can write these down. One is he ordered events. He ordered events. Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. Well, who made that decree happen? God. Jesus. It was the first registration. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be registered with Mary as the troth who was with child. That helpless child still in the womb is ordering events. Ordering the world events. He drew men. Look at Luke uh, 2, verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Look at 15. When the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying In a manger. That baby lying in a manger was drawing men to himself. (coughs) Flip back to Matthew 2. He frustrated kings. Do you remember Herod? What did he tell the wise men? Go find him. Why? Because I want to worship him. Knowing that he really wanted to what? Kill him. Verse 16. And Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. How was it that they were told about that? They were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And then he had a stars, look at Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Look at 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then he fulfilled prophecies. If you look at Matthew uh, chapter 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. In chapter... 2 verse 6 the reason he was born in Bethlehem of Judea for it was written by the prophet and you O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judea for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel and then he received worship from the wise men and from the angels and if you remember from Simeon and from Anna in the temple how in the world can a baby who can't even focus hold his head up babble Roll over, say a single word, be that powerful, because he's mighty God. That's how. And so here's a point of application for us. Do you know that Jesus Christ still today <coughs> orders events? We often say, "Well, what's this world coming to?" As I've said many times, as Dr. Rogers said, it's coming to Jesus. That's what it's coming to. So you rest in His sovereignty. He still today draws men to himself if he would be lifted up. You know what our job is to do? To lift him up. Are you sharing the gospel with folks? It's the power of God for salvation to everybody who believes we should be sharing it. He still today frustrates kings. I don't care what happens in our country, my citizenship is not as an American. And there's many of us that need to get that through our thick head That yes, this is a glorious land to live in, but brothers and sisters, this is not our home. And he's going to frustrate kings and presidents and world rulers and this and that, but ultimately Jesus is the one sitting on the throne. And it's to Him that I owe my allegiance. If this country ever tells me to stop preaching the Word of God, they'll have to throw me in jail. He aligns stars. We have movies that terrorize us. We have uh, you know, uh, scientists saying, oh, the greatest thing's coming and it's going to destroy the earth and this and that. Watch out for this asteroid and comet. Can I tell you, if you've read the last book, brothers and sisters, when it does get destroyed, we ain't here. We're out of here. If you're a true Christian. Know God's Word. Don't let science and other stuff terrorize you. He still today fulfills prophecy. Do you believe He's coming back? How many of you believe He's coming back? I don't want to embarrass you, but then if I asked you to leave your hand up, if you're living a way in which you're ready for Him to come back, how many of us would still have our hand up? He still today receives worship, Amen? amen? Worship is not what we are doing in this one hour on Sunday morning. It is part of it. Worship is your lifestyle. Is worship to you one hour a day out of 168 in a week? Or is worship to you a lifestyle that is 24-7, 365? (coughs) I said it before, I don't just go to the deer woods to shoot a deer. Vicky was talking about in the waiting room earlier. That's what I feel like I'm at sitting in the deer woods sometime. I'm in the waiting room waiting for something to happen. But you know what I can do while I'm sitting there? I can pull up my phone and I can read a chapter of the Bible. I can sit there for an hour and I can pray. So is it a once a week event to you or a lifestyle? Alright next, what child is this? He's mighty in his life. How many of you like country music or at least admit it? I don't mean that kind. I mean real country music. Now some of you are going to say 50's and 60's. I'm talking 80's old school country music. When I think of Jesus and the life he lived, you know what I think of? An old school 80's country song by Ricky Van Shelton. I am a simple man. You say you're having trouble figuring me. I don't believe I'm such a mystery. Baby, what you get is what you see. I am a simple man. I want a job and a piece of land, three squares in my frying pan. Don't seem so hard for me to understand. I am a simple man. To me, that was Jesus. He was just a simple man, working a normal, simple job, no luxuries in life for me. He didn't even have a pillow to put his head on. And folks around him, that's how they saw him, just as a simple man. Why in Matthew 13 is it when He's doing these mighty works, what is it they say? Ain't this Mary's son? Joseph's son? Ain't this the carpenter? Aren't His brothers and His sisters here with us? How is He doing all of this stuff? Because He was light years away from a simple man, He was a light that put immense power on display. And so just for your notation, you can look at Matthew 8 to 9, but basically we have done this through Luke. I'll give you seven Ds. He exhibited power over disease. He healed the centurion's servant, right? He had power over disaster. You remember, he calmed the storm. He had power over demons. The demonite that no one even went nowhere close to, he exercised the legion of demons from him. He had power over disciples. Jimmy uh, preached about where he sent out the twelve. And he called the the disciples to him. He had power over death. Remember the widow's son at Nan that he raised. Jairus' daughter. Disability. Remember when we were in Luke 6 and he healed the man that had the withered hand that was paralyzed. And then he exhibited power over depravity. Let me ask you, which of those seven drew the ire of the religious leaders. Did they get mad because he was healing diseases? Did they get mad because he was calming storms and throwing demons out? What they got angry over was depravity. Look at Luke 5, because they're so depraved themselves. Luke 5, I'll read it. You remember this. This was the man that was paralyzed and was let down through the roof. When he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but what? God alone. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven. You were to say, rise and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Was Jesus a simple man? Yeah. But was He an unbelievably mighty man? Absolutely. And He proved it in His life here on earth. Let me ask you, do you really know the power of God in your life? You see, Jesus still exhibits power over these today. Let me ask you, when you get sick, what's the first thing you do? Call the doctor, probably most of you. How many of you go to prayer? I told you the great theologian Will Rogers said the problem with our prayer is that we use it as a means of last resort. We exhaust everything else, so then we say what? Well, I might as well pray. Well, I'm having trouble in my family. So what do we do? We try to figure it out on our own. We sing the Frank Sinatra song. I did it my own way in my life and we mess it up and then we finally got to pray. You get sick and what do we do? Well, I better go to the doctor and try this and try that and try some snake oil and try some shark gut and maybe that'll work. And we never even one time pray. He's the great physician. Let's go to Him in prayer. Disaster. Are you worried about global warming, Dr. B? Well, I know the Bible teaches it because it says this place is going to burn up, but I ain't going to be here. Amen? Demons. Do you realize you're in a spiritual war every day you put your feet on the ground? Are you ready for it? And then disciple. Are you a fan or a follower? Death. Do you fear it? Or has it lost its sting for you? And disability. He's going to heal you. If you're a Christian, He's going to heal you now or later. Amen? It might come through death, but He's going to heal you. Amen? And then depravity. Jesus saves. Glory, hallelujah. That's the message of Christmas. You remember the peanuts Christmas special? And what does she say? This is it. You want to sum it up? It's Luke 2.11. For unto this is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And the world is still mad, just like the religious leaders when we tell them that Jesus saves and Jesus alone saves. Alright, mightiness is death. Now, I've seen more dead folks over the last 20 years in my life than I care to remember, particularly in the last four years as medical examiner. i tallied touted up, I think I've seen some 250. You know what they all have in common? They ain't got a lick of strength in their body. I want you to think about the immense power that Jesus displayed when he was dead. Turn to Matthew 27. I'm gonna point out one here at Chris, or at, uh, we ought to point out at Easter that very rarely is pointed out. Seven things quickly. First, the tombs opened. Matthew 27. Verse 52, the tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It wasn't just Jesus running around out of the tomb, it was many, many others. The earth shook. Look at verse 51, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Matthew fifteen thirty-three tells us that the land went dark. Look at verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It's been said that the temple veil was so thick that you could take many, many legions of horses and tie them to it and try to rip it from the bottom up and they could not rip it. It was so thick. How in the world did Jesus in His death rip it from the top to the bottom because He's mighty God? And it was symbolic of what had happened. And it's symbolic of why I'm not Catholic. Because I don't need a priest. I have one. And he tore the temple veil and said I can go into the Holy of Holies anytime I want to. Glory, hallelujah. you got a 24-7, 365 cell phone with no static interference and no drop calls to the throne room of heaven. And the soldier confessed. Look at verse 54. When the centurion, those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, "What? Truly, this was the Son of God." Right. And the once and for all sacrifice was finished. We don't have to keep bringing in cows and goats and bulls and lambs and all of that and sacrifice them. As I've said before, praise God, because my whole backyard would have to be lambs from all the sin where I mess up. I'd have to be sacrificing one every hour, wouldn't you? Thank you, Jesus. You offered the once for all sacrifice and it is finished and we don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Amen. And then prophecies were fulfilled in John chapter 19. Read that. Quickly in verse 36. You know, not one of Jesus' bones was broken. Why? So Scripture would be fulfilled. And why did they pierce Him? so the scripture would be fulfilled, they will look on Him in whom they have pierced. Think about it. If we were to name the top 10, top 25, top 100 most powerful men of all time that had ever lived on this planet, how many could say that in their death they wielded that amount of power? None. You know why? Because that child lying in the manger is a mighty God. And He still today wields tremendous power over death. If you're a child of God, we can cry out, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Even if Buffy Cook dies, I I wrote it down in here, I looked at this earlier when we were in Sunday school, Coach. D.L. Moody, when you had said that about D.L. Moody, he said, someday you'll read in the paper, D.L. Moody of East Northfield has died. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Right. Mary Jane Goodman is more alive now today than she ever was when she walked on this earth. So is George Penner. I know he would have loved to have been at that ball game Thursday night, but glory, hallelujah, he's more alive than he ever was in his life on this earth. Same thing with already knew. He preached and preached and preached about Jesus, and he believed it in his heart, and he believed it in his heart, even though people told him was a fool. Well, he's more alive today now than those fools that are laying down in Hades. <laughs> then finally, he's our second to last. He's mighty in his resurrection. Earlier, I asked you about your favorite Christmas hymns. You know, one of my favorite verses. It's been since the early days of my Christianity. Acts 17.6 These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's the kind of faith I want. I don't want no sissified anemic faith. I don't want no baby-fied sit-in-the-pew doing squat life for Jesus faith. I want somebody to honestly, whenever I die, not have to tell a lie and say Buffy Cook lived a life for Jesus that helped turn the world upside down. What was it that caused him to do that? What was it that caused Stephen to be able to face martyrdom? What was it that caused Peter to be able to stand up and preach a scathing rebuke of a sermon just weeks after denying Christ? How did Saul become Paul? How could 12 illiterate, ignoramus idiots turn the world upside down? I tell you how. Because they encountered the power of the resurrected resurrected Jesus Christ. That's how. No other event in thousands of years of history has singularly impacted homes and communities and people and the world other than Jesus Christ. Why do you think it split time right in the middle? B.C. and A.D. Can I tell you that the empires of Babylon and Greece and Rome and the kingdoms of Marxism and Humanism is never going to be able to do what Jesus Christ can do in the heart of a man. You know, as a doctor, I have some power to change lives. Live better, live longer, yet a lot of my advice goes unheeded. Dr. Chambers once told me he made a lifetime of living by uh, people not doing what he told them. Or it goes adhered to for a season. But think about when Jesus Christ comes to a man. The old has passed away. The new has come. He's a new creation. Let me ask you, if you're here today, have you experienced the power of his resurrection in your life? And then finally, Mighty in the Second Coming. Y'all remember the tagline for Ringland Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus? It's the greatest show on earth. Today there's a lot of events that vie for that title. You know, if you wanted to go to Game 7 of the most recent World Series, you could do so. If a man would have just forked out $100,000, Kevin, you could have went. It'd been nice. I would be nice to have $100,000 laying around to throw away on a seat but you know I don't think I really even would even do that but I cannot I tell you that the greatest show on earth is actually when Jesus Christ comes back mm-hmm. sure. think about how mighty it's going to be I'm going to give you six ways quickly and we're going to finish up first, the whole world will see Revelation 1.7 says every eye will see him If you put up a video on YouTube and it's fantastic, you might get 3 billion views. I told Coach and and, and Marty this week, I was looking up, you know the greatest, second greatest sporting event, most watched? Cricket. Cricket World Cup. You got to be really bored to watch the Cricket World Cup. (laughs) First was the Beijing Olympics opening ceremony. An estimated 1 to 4 billion people watched. But can I tell you, when Jesus Christ comes back, all 7 billion people on this planet are going to know it. Every eye is going to see Him. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's going to happen, amen, because the Word says it. Second, the whole world will acknowledge. Philippians 2. No, I'll go right on past Ephesians and we'll go to Philippians. Mm-hmm. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put ten doctors in a room, you know how many medical opinions you're going to get? Mm-hmm. At least fifteen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, well, you could do this and you could do that. You know what happens in our day and age? Folks agree to disagree on everything. But can I tell you when Jesus Christ comes back, there's going to be one opinion one opinion only, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord. The whole world will acknowledge. Second, the whole world will worship. It says it right there, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I was looking, if you look at the numbers, you can't tell if Nigeria is Christian or Muslim, if India is Hindu or Muslim. If the U.S. is Jewish or Christian, I mean, we got some confused countries, don't we? But can I tell you, on that day, there will be one person that will be worshipped, and it will be Jesus Christ. And then the whole world will be judged. We will be judged for our works, and the lost will be judged for their sin. Can I tell you the highest court in the world, the greatest judge on the planet has one thing in common. That's he's got a limited jurisdiction, but not our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He came the first time as lamb. He's coming the second time as judge. Brothers and sisters, believe me, you want to get in on the first one, not the second one. Amen? Yes. And then the whole world will be restored. I'm going to read you from Isaiah. 11 it says there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit And in verse 6 it says the wolf will lay down with the lamb the leopard with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatty calf together and the little child will lead them, the cow and the bear will graze, the young shall lie down together the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den y'all like going to the zoo? <laughs> You Ever seen them put the gazelles in the leopard exhibit? <laughs> How about the lamb in the pet the lamb from the petting zoo in with the wolf? Not gonna happen. Why? They eat them, as we'd say in the south. Would you ever take your kid over to the herpetarium and say, "Now here's a nice little rattlesnake. I want you to play with him for the next hour"? Why? Bite him, kill him. When we go on safari, Steve wigs out if anybody gets out of the vehicle. He loses his mind if anybody gets out of the vehicle on safari. You know why he acts like that? Because he knows it's a life and death situation if you get out of that vehicle. Because you ain't going to get away from that cheetah. Do you know when Jesus comes back, we're not going to have to have different enclosures at the zoo? We can swim with great white sharks. Is that not mind-blowing? We'll handle snakes, just not in church. (laughs) You can pet a leopard. How insane is that going to be? And last thing, the whole world will be lit. Revelation 21, after the new heaven and the new earth has come, we read this. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And you know what its lamp is? The Lamb. Could you imagine if there was no sun? You know what we would do? Stammer around in darkness. But actually we wouldn't do that, because you know what we would do? We would die instantly of hypothermia. On that day, we're not even going to need a sun. Moon, lamps, lights, because Jesus is going to light the whole place up because He is the light of the world. Amen. What a Savior, what a child. And so in closing, a Sunday school teacher was asking her students some questions. She had done a a series of lessons on God's omnipotence or God being all-powerful. And she asked them, she said, is there anything God can't do? Well, they all were silent for a little bit, and one little boy finally held up his hand. And she's at this, you know, kind of disappointed because she had told him, you know, God's all powerful. And he's, little Johnny's missed the point of the lesson. She said, Well, little Johnny, what is it you think God can't do? He said, He can't please everybody. That goes a long way for church leadership, don't it? He can't please everybody. You see, what I'm afraid we do, brothers and sisters, is that we don't put logical limits on God's power, such as something that would allow him to deny his character, such as make a rock too big for him to pick up, but we put illogical limits on God's power. Did you hear that? What we do is we don't put logical limits on God's power. We put illogical limits on God's power. We sing about how powerful He is in songs. We hear of it in sermons. We taste of it and see of it through our personal or other testimony, yet it's not really made manifest in our lives. And so what we do is we live in fear, even though the Scriptures say that we've been given a spirit of power, not of fear. We live in bondage even though Christ has set us free. We live in guilt even though Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for us. And we live in defeat even though the word says that we are overcomers. And here's the thing. My real fear is it's not so much you as it's me. I've seen a meme that said, I want to be so full of Christ if a mosquito bites me, it flies away singing there's power in the blood. Do you really honestly want that in your life? I want it in mine. We have the full assurance of Scripture. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we would ever think or ask for His power works in us. Brothers and sisters, the wonderful counselor, He's worthy to be praised 24 7 365. His wonderful counselor. He's got the best ideas and strategies, so let's follow him. And as El Gabor, mighty God, he's omnipotent. He now lives in us, so let's actually live it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to come and gather and to worship you. Father, I just thank you. Father, as we come to this time of invitation, that you're going to give us time to respond to the invitation of eternal life through Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for any other man or woman or child here today that needs to make a decision for you. The Father that you will just speak to them now through the power of your Holy Spirit to make that decision that they need to make for you. Father, as we then come to take a part of the Lord's supper, Father, I pray that there's anything in any of us, Father, that would prohibit us from taking this in a worthy manner that you would just forgive us of that right now. Father, I pray that you will just help us to come with a new appreciation of what this Lord's Supper really means and Father how we have been forgiven through the mighty power of Jesus' blood and his broken body on the cross we thank you for Jesus we thank you for everything you do for us ask that you would forgive us in the many ways we have failed you for it's in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name we pray Amen earlier I mentioned there's power in the blood you know why we can sing of it? Because we've read of it. Listen to what Romans 5 says. But God shows His love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We all know that verse. Since therefore we now have been justified, how? By His blood. Man, there's power in His blood to forgive sinners. You know what Israel had to do, though, to be saved? Remember the plagues? Did he say, well, you just put trust in that if, you know, I'm going to save you because of the Lamb's blood. They had to apply the blood to the doorpost of their own life. Amen? Amen. And so you got to apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of your own life. Have you ever in your life, can you think back, there was a time in which you received Him as Lord and Savior in your life, And it is clear and apparent, not only to you, but everyone else around you, that you are living a life that is repentant, that reflects the power of that blood. If not, then brothers and sisters, my fear for you is that you're lost today and you're fooling yourself. And so if you never have really made that decision for Christ, to put the blood of Him on the doorpost of your life, let today be that day as we stand and sing. So I'll stand, turn to page 456. Precious Lord, take my hand Lead me on, help me stand I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. Storms through the night Lead me on to the light Take my hand, precious Lord lead me on When my way grows drear Precious Lord, linger near When my life is almost gone Hear my cry, hear my call, hold my hand lest I fall, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home.